The Marching Roundtable is proud to be an official media partner of Drum Corps International and Music for All. Having um, students understand that you value them as a person and you value their life and they're important. I mean, I do think kids will work harder for that. You know, where relationships really matter and kids, kids will always work hard for somebody who, who likes them. I mean, versus someone who doesn't like them, you know, kids like to be liked and they like to be included and they like to be well known and they like to be, um, know that someone cares about them. That's Dr. Mary White, a school administrator who's been a classroom teacher and a very successful color guard instructor. On this podcast, Mary shares three things she wished she had known when she started teaching. You will find these ideas inspiring. This podcast conversation is sponsored by Fred J. Miller Incorporated, found at fjminc.com slash roundtable. And members can see the video version of this podcast at marchingartseducation.com. Dr. Mary White on three things she wished she had known when she started teaching on the Marching Roundtable. podcast is sponsored by FJM, Fred J. Miller Incorporated. FJM is the leader in marching arts uniform manufacturing and continues to lead the charge through groundbreaking design, superior service, and over 60 years of industry innovation. The Cesario collection of marching band uniforms is 100% machine washable, includes a limited lifetime warranty, and makes the fitting process a breeze with their adjust-a-cuff and adjust a hem technology. Now is the perfect time to create a new image for your program. Chat with a live FJM representative or schedule your complimentary consultation today at fjminc.com roundtable. That's fjminc.com roundtable. Fred J. Miller Incorporated, family owned and operated since 1960. Hey guys, it's Lindsay Vinto with the Academy and the DCI broadcast team. And I am here today to implore you and encourage you um, to find everything that you can in your heart and your being and as a marching arts educator or a performer or member in any way um, to continue to support Tim Hinton and the marching arts education and the marching roundtable. I know me personally, I have taken so much value in the content that Tim has offered. I have been lucky enough to be on multiple webinars and podcasts with him. And the content that is offered from an educational standpoint, from a design standpoint, content that can be used by your membership, by your students, your high school students, by your staff, um, your design team, whatever it is, the content is there. And I really hope you'll consider going straight to the website, giving that $5.99, and keeping this awesome content going and the amazing work by Tim Hinton. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody. It's Tim Hinton, the beast of the marching arts. Welcome to the Marching Roundtable podcast. I'm talking to one of my really one of my favorite people, Dr. Mary White. Mary, how are you? I'm doing so good, Tim. And you're one of my favorite people, by Oh, the way. thank you. I, I have known you forever. I don't, we don't want to do the math, probably, but it was somewhere in the early 90s that we became friends. And we've, we've been really close friends ever since. We've done a lot of designing of shows and working with bands together. You are a fantastic color guard technician and designer and instructor. And of course, 
you've been in the world of education for a really, really long time. Um, tell everybody what your job is right now. So for 36 years, I've been in education. I've been in, I was a teacher. I was an assistant principal, a principal, um, director of elementary programs, and now the director of curriculum and instruction um, for a school district. And for, for a long time, I've been doing this for 10 years, Tim. It's really yeah. a long time. That's fantastic. So you're wonderful at all of those things, and you've been an educator your whole life. So when I thought about this idea, I wanted to talk to a bunch of different people about three things they wish they had known when they started teaching. I thought of you, of course, because you've been in the world of education. I know you're a fantastic teacher. So what was the first thing? I think you are asking other people, right? Because I think my mine are different than others, and I'm so glad. I can't wait to see the other yeah. what the other people say. Oh, yeah. No, everybody that I've talked to is saying very different things, and I love that. That's exactly what I expected and wanted. So I'm anxious to see what you're going to say. What was the first thing you thought of when I asked that question? The very first thing that I thought of, just being um, from, like, looking at a larger district role, is you do not have to be perfect. I find that every teacher wants to be perfect. They want to do the very best thing they possibly can, which is how wonderful is that, Tim, that teachers want to teachers want to be perfect, but you can't be perfect. So just be a teacher who smiles every day at kids, who starts every day with a clean slate for kids, and who has high expectations. I mean, I think those are really good things to start with, you know. Johnny didn't have such a good day yesterday, but tomorrow's a new day. And now I'm starting to, you know, be someone who does start every day with a clean slate for kids. And um, so that's my first one. You don't have to be perfect. Okay. So you think teachers want to be perfect because they care so much to want to help the kids and, and teach them the best they can. Absolutely. I just, I really, and teachers are generally rule followers, Tim. They want, they want to make sure their principal sees them doing the right thing there. That if people come into the room, they're doing the right thing. If they're, you know, if, they want to follow the rules and be perfect and do everything they can for kids. I mean, it comes from a really, really great place when you think about it. I, it's so interesting that you started with that because, I mean, the sort of flip side of that for me, and I've said this many times, but um, the big thing I was worried about when I started teaching was that my students would learn all the things I didn't know and that I and that they would they would find out I wasn't perfect and that I didn't know all these things about band and teaching. And of course, what I realized was they didn't care. They just wanted me to show that I cared, that I was trying my very hardest. They didn't care that I didn't know everything. And I wish I had learned that a little bit earlier. It would have taken some pressure off. Right. And like, it's okay to have a typo on the board and the kids to say, you know, you spelled that wrong. And you're like, you're right. I'm not perfect. I, you know, I, I got my I and my E mixed up. I couldn't remember the rule. You know, um, and it's okay to say that. And it's really, it's, you know, I just love that. Like, and music teachers, like, I think they are in a especially particular predicament, Tim, because really, but let's face it, their performance is on a field every Friday night at a football game. Very I mean, they are, they are, that's, there'll be all kinds of judges, all kinds of armchair quarterbacks, all kinds of, you know, judging going on and really, I think there's big pressure to feel perfect. Yeah, yeah. Their 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 whole, you know, how how well can they teach is on the line every single Friday night. And of course you've got a bunch of kids that are learning through the process of the season. People don't understand that. It can be very difficult. How does this compare to the conversation about everyone wanting to be authentic? Because I feel like that's that's sort of the part of this, right? Is people are feeling that they can be 
more of their true self? Is that part of this same perfect thing? Yeah, and that we're infallible. And, you know, I, when kids say, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a musical thing that you may get wrong, but I'm not coming up with it. doesn't have to be musical. Tent. It's just teaching. When you come up with something, you know, with a math, something in math, and the kid said, well, I solved it this way. Oh, my gosh, I never thought of it that way. That's a brilliant way. So you've got it. Great. You know, I didn't. That's not how I learned it. You, you learned it a different way. That's terrific. Like, I think sometimes we feel like we have to, like, show that we're experts in something. And we are experts in something. But we also make mistakes that are not perfect. You know, Tim, I, I struggle with, um, I don't struggle with spelling. I'm going to tell you. But occasionally I'll look at a word and go, that looks so wrong. And, you know, and I, oh, I could have written it on the board or something for everybody to see that clearly I spelled it wrong. So um, I, I think that's okay. You know, it's so funny you say that because it reminds me when I first was teaching at Dunwoody High School, my very first year there, the English teachers kept coming up to me because every time I put something out, like, you know, I was always putting like the band kids have to get out of here. I was putting these little notices in all the teacher's boxes. I constantly misspelled the word tomorrow. And they, <laughs> and they were trying to be so nice to me, you know, and like, but I, I always did two M's and one R, I think is what it was. It's really one M and two R's, right? I finally kind of learned it. But, you know, they would come down and they would try to be so nice to me. Now, you know, if you could please... You know, just you want to point out this, you know, it was so funny. And I was, I was embarrassed, but like, you know, it, it didn't matter. They still knew it was tomorrow, but um, yeah, I, I love this whole idea of not being perfect because I think, I think people really do have high expectations for themselves and for their kids. And that's not really what it's all about ultimately. Right. And how can we take those high expectations and pressure on ourselves and put the high expectations on the kids without the pressure? I mean, it's, it's a real puzzle. I mean, it's, and it's really a lot of work and a lot of planning and that takes a lot of planning and work. So how can that happen? You yeah. Know? And, and it goes back to that growth mindset that you and I've had conversations about everybody. If you haven't heard the podcast or the webinar about the growth mindset that Mary and I've had, check that out. Okay. Let's go to number two. What's the next one? First of all, I want you to know, Tim, I had notes of about 10 things. Oh, it's so hard. It was really a struggle. And I think you know, I'm on the um, the other end of my career in education. I'm retiring at the end of the year. And um, I'll always be an educator and I'll still stay and do something. I'll always teach kids. But it was really struggle. I think I'm coming from this from a different um, way. And I'm, this one I'm going to say and going to say relationships over content. Make relationships with kids, stress the relationships versus stressing your content and the content will come. Give me an example of what you mean. So, so somebody could be coming in and I'm, I'm teaching math, I'm teaching math, I'm constantly teaching math. Instead of like taking the time for, for a few minutes each day and saying, oh my gosh, Tim, I, you, you played a soccer game this weekend. I, how'd it go? You know, like to really build relationship with kids, that it's okay to spend some time building relationship with kids. That that's what matters. Of course, band directors are great at this because they have to, because they're with them so much um, and so many hours frequently, weekends, after school time. So I think it's like I'm stressing the relationship por portion of this, not necessarily your content, whether it be English language arts or math or music or advanced placement. Yeah. 
So this is interesting because I, you know, like I feel like guard instructors, for example, they have these great relationships with their students, but it can be all about the work only. And then you have to figure out where's my boundaries with those relationships. All these things are things you need to consider. But I like your idea that letting them know that you care about them and that you like them and that you're interested in them is maybe more important than getting some skill perfectly right right now. Correct. And and having um, students understand that you value them as a person um, and you value their life and they're important. I mean, I do think kids will work harder for that. You know, where relationships really matter. And kids kids will always work hard for somebody who, who likes them. I mean, versus yeah. someone who doesn't like them. Yeah, and you who know, they like. And kids like to be liked and they like to be included and they like to be well-known and they like to be um, know that someone cares about them. You know, I'm not saying get in inappropriate relationships. Obviously, you know that, Tim. I think you know the difference. Nor delve into things that they don't need to be delving into. Like, hey, how did you, I know your mom and dad fought this weekend. How did that? Like, I'm not talking about that. I think we need to leave that to the professionals. But, but you know, knowing you care about kids is really an important step in building stronger content. So interesting you say that. It reminds me of a great conversation I had. Everybody check out the webinar with Trey Harris. He's the band director at Bassett High School. Mary, he's like a master at this. We talked about how to build how to build the culture of your program. Yeah. Everybody wants to know how to have a better, stronger culture. How do you get that culture of excellence, your kids to buy in? And that's the main thing he said. You know, his, his main point, my takeaway from that, everybody should hear that conversation, by the way, but my main takeaway was, that's what he said, like, show that you care about them. You know, how's your grandmother doing? I know she's been ill. Like, just showing the kids you care about them and that they're important as more than just one more march or one more cog in the machine. That was his main point. Does that, does that have to do with him also being your authentic self? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. You know, same thing. Kind of like, it's okay. I mean, I don't think you should invent things to talk about if you don't have things to talk about it with kids. I mean, but just, you know, even, Hey, how you doing? You know, and a smile every single day as they walk into the classroom. Yeah, paying yeah. a little bit of attention. You know, if you know that kid runs cross-country, hey, how did the cross-country meet go this weekend? Like, that is a small yeah. thing that means a lot to that student. Yeah, or seeing, you know, a, a, a patch on the kid's backpack that's, oh, my gosh, I love that band. You know, I didn't realize you liked that band, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I love it. All that stuff really goes a long way, and it doesn't take a long time. Yeah. It's interesting to me that you said that the, your, your, you notice that your three things you're, you're sharing with us, your perspective is different because of where you are in your career and how long you've been teaching everything. I love that. That's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is that I think it's interesting that we all we concentrate and think about different things as we go. So what's the third one? I, I struggle, Tim, because I have a couple of them that I'm going to give. I'm going to... Um... I'll let you mention the others at the end, but you have to choose a third. Go ahead. Okay. So one of my others was, it's not my third. You have help. You're not solo. You're not on an island, but we'll talk about that. Um, another one was, it doesn't have to be so hard. Um, don't invent work. Um, and and my third one is management matters. What do you mean? Um, classroom management matters in all kinds of situations. And 
Um, one of the things about I like about classroom management is procedures. You know, I'm a big person, system processes, procedures. You know, if I say I would go into a color guard and say, put down your flagpoles and everyone just kind of threw them down. I'm like, pick up your flagpoles. Here's how we're going to put flag poles down. When I say put down your flagpoles, I'm going to teach everybody how to strip the silk, do this, put it to the whatever side of you want to parallel, whatever, however you want them to put down a flagpole. You've just taught a system and a procedure that has something to do with classroom management. And the expectation is that you expect everybody, number one, to do things in a uniform way. Number two, we don't do things here willy nilly. We have some, we depend and rely on our structures. And that's what I mean by management matters. So before you're thinking, before you're teaching as a new teacher, thinking about all these things, how do you want kids to enter? How do you want, what? You know, there's so many things. I tell you, has a very comprehensive list, and it's old school, Tim, but I got to tell you, it works, and his name is Harry Wong. Harry Wong, W-O-N-G, and he wrote a book called The First Days of School, and he kind of goes through some lists of things that you should decide how you want these procedures to happen. Now, he doesn't talk about putting down flagpoles, by the way. Um, <laughs> I keep telling him that, but um, no. I think he has kind of lists of things that you should consider, like how do I want kids to enter the band room? How do I want kids to enter the auditorium? How do I want, you know, all, and that is what I mean by management matters. Like be really thinking about systems, structures, processes of everyday things that kids do. So are you suggesting, if I understand this correctly, that this is helpful to students because there are procedures in place, they know exactly what's expected. There's comfort in that, right? tremendous comfort and most of it is setting a high expectation you know there's tremendous comfort in structure kids like structure um and when you get down because of that structure when you get down to teaching the content those structures and those well how do i do this how do i do that how do i do that those details are already clear in their mind and then you can go on with the business of hand work up front less work later well and you're teaching you know, them that those wait say that again Plan your work, work your plan. I've heard you say that a thousand times. So so those 100. procedures also teach them that those details of all of us doing it the same way are important, right? Which which then carries over into the content itself. Correct. Particularly in like color guard or marching band, you know, you know, with the way we do things together, it's it's really important that you do things in a unanimous way here. You know, and we do it all together and it's all the same. Yeah. That's one of our goals. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. And, and again, it's, um, th these conversations are so interesting, Mary, you're you're making me want to reference all kinds of things. Everybody that's listening to this, check out there, there's content uh, at marching arts education where I talked to Michael Klesh and Matt Harloff, who are the gurus or two of the gurus of the brass line at Carolina crown. Right. And Michael Clash is the music arranger and, you know, obviously instructor and Matt Harloff is the wizard. We all know that gets them to play like that as a group and individually, but Mary, they, they have so many procedures and they talk about this explicitly on a conversation I had with them about it, but to the point that the pencil on the music stand, goes in a certain place and faces a certain way. And they, they're so meticulous about those levels of details. I mean, you, you put your cooler down and the, it faces a certain direction and the, the labels in a certain place. Um, 
and they're spaced perfectly, all these little details, but they know that being that meticulous on the procedures, which is what you're describing, then translates directly into everyone being meticulous about their performance, uh, paying attention, how's the rehearsal going to be run. It really does translate. I love that you brought that up. Yeah, I do. I, I used to teach my kids how to raise their hand. I mean, like the every the silly thing is they used to say the correct hand raises bicep to ear. Um, because they would just like, you would have kids raise their hand and be like, you know, I don't know, Tim, like doing all kinds of, you know, but if you say no, put your bicep to your ear. Like it makes sense. Like, right. You know, like you raise a hand in the classroom and they would, you know, they would start telling other kids the correct hand raises bicep to ear. I mean, and it's just so crazy and so goofy and so ridiculous, you know, where you put, how you put your pencil on the music stand, but doesn't it make sense? And then kids already know that you are, you are someone who cares about details and you are someone with high expectations and you are someone who really wants to have a great structured classroom and you're going to have lots less behavior problems, you know. I wanted to, I'm just going to share this, Tim. I went to a kindergarten class today and there was beautiful music playing. And it was their hundredth day of school. They were celebrating a hundredth day of school. And I, I think any parent out there or any teacher of elementary students know what happens on the hundredth day of school. They celebrate 100 in all kinds of goofy, loving, fun, fruit looby ways. And so there were, he was at a, um, table small kidney table working on something in the math book but the rest of the kids were doing something with fruit loops and cocoa krispies or some i don't know some cereal and they were stringing them and every 10 they would put a little 10 disc they had they previously cut out and so these kids like they had bowls of fruit loops tim bowls kindergarten students not one of them ate one not one of them threw them on the ground not one of them threw them at each other not one of them was like doing something that should have not been done. And it's just like these kindergartners were handling Fruit Loops in a really responsible way. And I said, someone taught them how to do this. And his classroom, you could tell his environment, he thought about all these things and he had beautiful music playing and it was like a spot in there. And I said, I could stay here all day. And he said, well, go ahead, stay here all day. You know, and I just, he planned those things, how it all was gonna happen. And it was great. I love that. That that makes me so happy. And think how those students, they were calm and reassured and they were comfortable yes. in their environment because, you know, there's nothing worse than going to a, a classroom that's just chaos. How can anybody learn? How can anybody be? It's interesting you say that, Mary, and I hope you don't mind this reference, but we've done so much thoughtful thinking about the, the decor of our new bed and breakfast that hopefully everybody knows the Phantom History House. My partner and I have this new bed and breakfast, but we keep hearing that comment about our library. We were very thoughtful about the library. There's lots of books, very careful about the decor. And we've had so many people say, it's like how comfortable they are there and how they, they, they think it's so beautiful and so relaxing. And there's a fish tank and it's all very calming. And, and like that makes us so happy because we're like, okay, we got this right. You know, like this is exactly the way we wanted this room to feel. A place where you can sit down and relax and, and either by yourself or talk to people or share ghost stories or whatever it is you want to do at our crazy bed and breakfast. So I feel like the creating that environment, 
is something I've done a lot of thinking about. So hearing you talk about how that teacher created that wonderful environment for those young kids, that just makes me really, really happy. It matters, everybody, what your band room looks like, what your procedures are, that things are kept tidy and clean and, and expectations are clear. These things you're discussing, these these they matter. I just, management matters, and that's why what I, I had a hard time coming up with that name, but I, that's what, in the end, I decided to, like, term it there. And um, kids, like, I as an adult, when I don't have structure, I, sometimes I get a little bit anxious, and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? What am I doing? What am I, am I supposed to be here there? Imagine how kids feel. Yeah. What am I supposed to be doing? You know, and then combine it with their peers saying the same thing. And then there's a lot of, you know, drama there. So I just think the structure really matters to help control some, not control is a wrong word, to help assure and reassure that those things. Yeah. Um, and think, think about a, think about a bunch of band kids going to a contest for the first time. You have young marchers who've never been to a marching band contest, say, or a winter guard contest. You know, if they don't know that procedure of how warm up's going to go and where do they go first and what, you know, it can be very overwhelming. So having those procedures in place up front matters. And band directors have to do so much of this because it's not only coming into the bedroom, it's sitting on a bus, getting off a bus, you know, I, you know, ensuring that kids feel comfortable and knowing what they're doing. So they're not worried about what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. You know, and you can empower a lot of student leadership to do this too. You know, there's the student leadership to create checklists for their, for their um, teams oh, or yeah. squads or whatever you call yeah. them, you know, to ensure, you know, yes, you have black socks. Do you have black socks? I have black socks, you know, so the band director doesn't even have to get involved in that kind of stuff. You know, I, I'm just giving a small example, but. Yeah, it's funny. It reminds me, I keep having these flashbacks during our conversation, Mary. It reminds me of when I first went off to college band. I was in the University of Tennessee band, this giant band. We go into Neyland Stadium before the first ball game, and we practice sitting in the stands. And I remember at the time thinking, I'd never done this before. I remember thinking, well, this seems like a real waste of time. Like, you know, they're setting us up and who's going to sit in which seat. And like, we had a, we had assigned seats. Who's going to sit next to who? And I thought, wow. This seems like, you know, but anyway, then we get to the first game, we march into the stadium, there's 100,000 people in the stands, it's crazy pandemonium, and then when we go to file into the stands, I've never been so happy in my life as to know exactly where I was supposed to go, exactly where I was supposed to sit, you know, and I remember that was like a big learning moment for me, I was like, thank goodness we did this, because it, I had no idea it was going to be this giant overwhelming stimulation thing at the ball game. You know, like I didn't know what I was in for. Right. And I remember doing that with high school bands too, where they practiced going to sit where they were going to sit, even in a high school football game. Yeah. I can't imagine, you know, the yeah. stadium, you know, it's huge. Yeah. You have Can't to know this. Yeah. You have to know the procedures. And I love that you're talking about the importance of those procedures because they are really um, calming. And, and I've had conversations about, you know, making sure your winter guard team knows exactly what what when we go to this part of the warm up here's exactly what we're going to do you know and this is where you're going to stand and it's and so it's it matters when you get to that first show you know they're imagine how much better they're going to be when they step on the floor and it matters when you get to the last show at WGI i mean i can remember you know i um, i taught lake mary high school for many years and we went through the same warm up every single time and you know the director really depended on me to do that because I think we both knew that when it came down to the end, there'd be lots of people watching the warm-up. Not 
I mean, not our parents. I mean, so in Dayton, I mean, there would be many people watching the warm up and it helps. It's reassuring. It's structured. And we went through the same warm up every single time. Yeah. And that's comforting to the kids. And afterwards, you know, my friend Michelle, who was the director, said, Thank God you're here, Mary, because I could not have done that because I'm a nervous wreck right now. <laughs> but I just stuck with what I knew. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You I just did what you did. What we did. Yeah. I love that. You know, as we're ending, I want to circle back around to one thing you said. You were talking about raising your hand. I'm sitting here thinking, as a kid, if you don't, if my teacher hasn't clarified that, like, it's very intimidating to raise your hand. Like, do I just do like this? She's probably not going to even see, or she's not going to even see my hand. If I'm not, but if you're like, this is how we do it, boom, then it's not like I'm weird for being seen. Like, I just, I love that you mentioned that little thing. Well, it's definitely over the top. I mean, it's definitely over the top, Tim. I think, I mean, it's definitely like, is she neurotic? But, um, but, but my class was safe. We had all kinds of safe, I had all kinds of things that made it safe that we were going to raise our hands anyway, you know, and. Love it. But I just, I, I think it's really important, right? Everyone's going to be saying the correct way to raise your hand is bicep to ear. It is. You know? I like it. I like it a lot. Mary, you're so wonderful. I knew this would be a great conversation. I thank you for being so thoughtful. I know it was really hard to, to cull down your list, but thank you for for, for sharing this with us. Tim, we've, we did have a conversation with the new van director, Brad Parks, many, many, many months ago, many, maybe, maybe many years ago in the podcast about his first year teaching. Um, and I think that is worth, you know, you know, listening back to because I do think that was a wonderful conversation with the first year band director and there were some lessons that he learned as well. Yeah. And to that point, everybody just go to Marching Arts Education or the Marching Roundtable and just put the word or the topic into the search bar and things will pop up because we've had, you know, 1100 plus conversations that are all really interesting. So go check it out and there will be something about how to take your students through that first plan for that first contest or how to do those procedures or how to build your culture and and be authentic and, and show them that you care. Mary, I love it. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you. Watch for more conversations like this one from successful educators in the marching arts and music education. Find similar inspiring topics like this in the over 1,100 podcasts at the Marching Roundtable or in the hours and hours of webinar videos and interviews at marchingartseducation.com. We are so grateful that so many of the very top educators and designers in our activity have talked with us and shared their secrets freely. You can learn from these top marching arts professionals at any time at our website at marchingartseducation.com. Thanks again to the sponsor of this podcast, Fred J. Miller Incorporated, found at fjminc.com roundtable. This is Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. You can find out more about me at beastofthemarchingarts.com. And check out our new bed and breakfast at phantomhistoryhouse.com. If you're a business that works with band directors, marching bands, color guards, or drum lines, you should sponsor podcasts at the Marching Roundtable. Our listeners are the exact audience you're trying to reach. And with thousands of podcast downloads each month, it's a great way to directly reach your target audience. For more information, click on the Sponsorship Opportunities link at marchingroundtable.com or email Tim at tim at marchingroundtable.com. You can grow your business and help support what we're doing here on the podcast.